I just want to share a really well-known passage for the reverence verse that are used to um, sharing in a, this special remembrance feast, this breaking of bread, communion, Eucharist, um, really special time. Um, from If you've got a Bible, you could turn with me to 1 Corinthians 11. But for Paul, while you find it, um, for Paul, that nothing was worse than Christians behaving badly. Yeah? Because they weren't meant to behave badly. They were saved for something else. And so much of this, this, this first letter, and the second one for that matter, is an encouragement to stop the bad behavior and start the good stuff. Yeah? Because not only is it not becoming of a Christian because you're called to something higher, uh, it, it dishonors God, most importantly. And it's not the way it was meant to be, that we were to be restored and things were meant to be different. There was a, a newness of life. And uh, uh, the early Christians, they, they celebrated this, this amazing agape meal, love feast. We, we haven't got so much the meal, um, uh, the, but we've got the end bit where we, we break bread together. And uh, I, I just want to read this in in two parts. The first part is just 17 through to 22. 1 Corinthians 11, this is. In the following directive, and that was, it was, what he means is that this, this is what you need to do, what you must do, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. Isn't that really sad? That people are coming to a, a gathering, we'd call it church, and people leave worse off than when they came. Uh, would you agree with me that that's shocking? And for Paul, that was totally unacceptable. You could think, no way round it to couch it with some, some, something gentle. He says, I've got no praise for you about this. This is just totally bad. Uh, in the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions amongst you. And to some extent, I believe it. Obviously, reports have been coming back to him. No doubt, there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat, for as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anyone else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. This agape meal must have been quite amazing. That believers come together from, you know, there was one church in a town in like, like Billericay, there'd be the Church of God in Billericay. They'd all come, you know, the gospel was the, the power of God for the salvation of all, and there were slaves being saved, there were, there were Romans being saved, there were Greeks being saved, there were Jews being saved and converting. There were the poor, the rich, the uneducated. Those that work with their hands, those were great philosophers. And they'd all come together and they had this special time. 
that was set apart, where they'd come together and they'd celebrate what God had done through a meal, an agape meal. And uh, I I just was trying to picture this, how, how wonderful it was. It was like a bring and share, but much more. Because this was a, sort of, sort of a, 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 more of a spiritual thing. It was integrated with this. It's all part. It wasn't a, a sort of a preamble, let's do the social bit, and then we'll do the spiritual bit. It was all part of the same package. And they had a, a beautiful picture of, of worship, love, and grace, and this lovely New Testament word of kononia, of fellowship, of oneness. And so division was, was, was an anathema to Paul. That there could be a division in a church that, that Jesus had saved everyone by their grace and that somehow they could be divided. Somehow they could have angst against one another. Somehow that partiality could exist. That I could favor someone over, over someone else. Which is totally anti-God. It's anti the gospel that saved us, which has no preference. God would that all mankind would be saved. Hallelujah. Yeah. Well, well done there. Well done, Paul. I heard that. Yeah, you're, you're setting the standard from the, from the back seat. Yeah, but that, it's, it's good. It, 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 the, the rich and the poor, the slave and the free. Some would be able to bring a lot of food. Some could bring uh, next to none or, or little. And uh, something had gone wrong. The rich ate their own food. There was an exclusiveness. And the poor were having nothing. Instead of building community, which is what we're all about, it was causing division. It actually aggravated the differences that existed pre-being saved. And this is, this, the church is like no other group of people on the face of this earth. Nothing can mirror what is the potential of a church. Nothing can mirror the potential of Billericay Baptist. No group of people could organize anything that God can, can do through the church through the shed blood of Jesus that makes us one, that unifies us, that we have this shared, this, this, this commonality between us. And he's, he's given us, he shed his love abroad in our hearts to make this possible. That's why it's called a love feast, an agape meal. And uh, there should be no barriers. It celebrates the great grace that you and I received. If we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, if we don't, he implores us and, and, and calls us that we might be saved by his grace. And so whether they were Jews or Gentiles, they were Greek or barbarians. Barbarian isn't, as, as we think of barbarian, a barbarian to a, a, a Greek was just a non-Greek. Yeah? Or, 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 that, 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 there was to be no division. And the, the church should be wonderful because in Christ it, it elevates us all to the same, same level. We're all lifted up. No one is there to start with. We all need him. 
And so we depend upon him. What can you or I say that we can contribute to what he has done in our life other than bowing the knee and saying, I need you. And so whether you're a woman or a man or there's this debate about, about the, the femininity, and things, we should all be in, in the sense of the reality of this, one in Christ, slave, whether we're a child or we're old, our race, education, social background, become absolutely irrelevant. They exist in the world. The world is full of that sort of thing. But the body of Christ, the kingdom of God, is so amazingly different. Hallelujah. You're still with me, Paul. All differences are forgotten. They're, they're absolved at a love feast. We, we become united in Christ, united to one another. And somehow we, yeah, the, this Greek word for supper... Actually, it was their main meal. It wasn't a snatch thing. It wasn't to be rushed. They were to linger and enjoy the company of one another. Not rush away, but be the family together. And somehow we need to return to that root. And Paul would have us do that. But then he goes on to say in verse 20, 23... For I have received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whoever... Sorry, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, see, there's this important therefore. Because of of the wonder of what God has done, because of the uh, majesty and uh, and the, the glory and the grace, there's therefore, because of this, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, will be built guilty of sinning against the blood, body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep or died. But if we, we judge ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined, so we will not be condemned with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. If anyone is hungry, he should eat at home, so that when you meet together, it may not, um, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give you further directions. I don't know how they felt about that. He's already given a really severe slap on the wrist, and he's going, I'm going to come and give you some more directions, so you'll be getting on with this. Um, but it's, it's really serious. Um, and these, in my Bible, the, the, these 
words, this is my body which is for you, do this in remembrance of me, and this cup is the, the new covenant in my blood, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. I've got this red and black Bible. I've got all Jesus' words in red. And these words are in red. They're Jesus' words. And because this letter was written before the Gospels, these are the first written words of Jesus. The first time anyone had written the words that Jesus spoke for us are these words. And uh, this is a most sacred act of worship. It's a, in, in, in our understanding, it's the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. There's some wonderful spiritual mystery of God's grace involved in this. It's not just me requesting my sins to be forgiven and doing something with you. There's something amazingly spiritual that is a mystery here. He says, this is my body. Well, patently it wasn't his real body because he was in his body when he spoke it. And it just doesn't stand that the, this stands for my body. When we take it in our hands and put it to our lips, there's a special communion with Christ. There's something amazing. That's why it's called communion. There's something that's quite super spiritual and intimate. And that's why all this dross that was going on before of everyone sort of looking after themselves was such a... Uh, uh, totally contrary to to what this stood for the one loaf and the, the one cup we're having communion with Christ he says this is my body yet do this in remembrance of me this is speaks of the presence do this in remembrance speaks of an absence he's not here but he is here and we, we, we're touching something so precious to God in what we do. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. In my blood. The cost of the covenant was the blood of Jesus. The old covenant was the law. And it, at my relationship with God in the Old Testament would meant that I need to keep the whole law. And we read about that in Exodus 20, 24. That there would be, we would make a commitment to, to keep the law and then a, a heifer would be uh, slaughtered and the blood would be sprinkled. And there'd be uh, some remembrance. But this new covenant is different. It's not dependent on the law, it's dependent upon the love of God. I can't keep all the law. I need to receive grace. And I say humbly, so do you. We don't get it right. That's why we need this. This is why we, we need to do it. And the picture of the Old Testament is someone who's guilty before a judge. In the New Testament, it's a child before his father. In the Old Testament, it's, it's our sacrifice. We are sacrificing the bull. It's our effort. In the New Testament, it's... There's another hallelujah coming here, Paul. Are you ready for it? It's his sacrifice. His sacrifice. 
Not mine, his. And it's not about my effort, it's about his grace. How good is this? How wonderful. But, he says, you can eat and drink unworthily. Not discerning, not realising the spiritual background to what we're doing, the reality, this mystery. This sort of sense of, of love that these, the bread and the wine, that they stand for. And the obligations that ensue because we partake of it. That out of our lives, forgiveness and grace and generosity of speech should flow because we've connected with the Almighty. Because we're one with him. It's not that I've done communion. It's I've had this intimate connection with God. And I need to remember and keep remembering. He says you're sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. The body of the Lord. You're sinning against, that could be taken in two ways. You're sinning against what he he did through his own body. But you're sinning against the body of Christ, which is the church. No division of class, preference, race. No, I'm Paul, I'm Cephas, I'm Apollos. None of that stuff. It's I'm a lover of Jesus. You cannot... and eat and drink when we're we're at variance we have to lay it down and repent and go away with with the best intention in the world to seek forgiveness, to put right wrongs to walk the extra mile, to turn the cheek, to give generously It's going away when there's, there's I, I'm con- contemptuous towards someone. I've got criticism in my heart. I've got bitterness. And instead of forgiveness, this table, he's saying it actually brings judgment on you, Ian. Not you, Ian, sorry. <laughs> I was talking about, sorry. <laughs> I take that back. <laughs> that was not a prophetic word from the pulpit. <laughs> I was just putting myself in the place of, of, of being judged. That was... That was that was dodgy, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and it says we need to examine ourselves. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. What we are brilliant at, which is the work of the flesh, is examining other people, judging other people. I mean, we, we don't need training to do that, do you? You don't get a, a GCSE or a degree in, in, in judgment. It comes quite naturally, doesn't it? We're all making judgments and we're told not to make judgments. We're called to love. And uh, he says that the result of that is you could be sick. I mean, I think in, in that terms, it could mean emotions, it could mean in our mind, it could mean in our body. 
It even means that, you know, if, if you persist, then, you know, it could lead to, an, uh, 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 to death. So, you know, in, in one sense, what Paul said, this is supposed to be the most amazing thing, and you've made it into, into something that it's not meant to be. It's not meant to be about judgment from God. It's meant to be about forgiveness. It's not meant to be dividing us. It's meant to be bringing us together. Because we who are many are one loaf. We're one. And can this still happen? I suppose it can. Selfishness and gossip and murmur, especially against leaders, it grieves God. Gossiping grieves God. Do you know why? One, because it's wrong, and two, because it causes others to sin. When I gossip, when I I badmouth someone. In Luke 17, it says, Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to sin are bound to come, but woe to the person through whom they come. So if I cause someone to sin, it would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. So watch yourselves. Yeah? I've underlined that. I need to watch myself. Because if what I do causes you to, to sin, then there's a huge problem for me. Jesus said, oh, no, he's a bit later, I've jumped over, sorry. <laughs> if your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times come back and says, I repent, forgive him. Then the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. This is a faith thing, isn't it? You know, but when I gossip, I put thoughts in another's mind that causes others to think badly. And amazingly, what this is meant, the opposite is true. When I encourage, when I, I build up, when you speak good of someone, I don't mean you, you, you ignore the fact that, there's, that there are issues, but that's when love covers a multitude of sin. I'm not called to, to do God's jo- uh, job and go around judging people. I'm called to go around loving people with the love of God is put in my heart. And uh, so when we encourage people, we're sowing wonderful seeds. And what Paul's saying really, look, you wound the body of Christ and you wound yourself. I've come to bring you wholeness and healing This is a celebration. This is wonderful because it sets me free from the things that bind me and allows me to be everything God wants me to be. And for me, it's it's summed up in 1 John 3, 23. And this is his command. And this is really simple. To believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. We can do that, can't we? 
Can we? Can we, Paul? Yes, he's, a, he's bold. Yeah? You set a good standard, Paul. But that's it. This is his directive, just as Paul was given a directive. To believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. To be saved. And secondly, to love one another as he commanded. That's simple. To believe in his name and all that that means. And to love one another as he commanded. And we can do it, can't we? Yeah? We can do it. You can do it. This isn't impossible because this is his will. This is what he gives the Holy Spirit to us for. So I'm going to pray. Would you, would you lead us in another song? Yeah, you can make it whatever language you like. I don't mind. Yeah. In tongues, if you like. Yeah. And uh, then we'll break bread and then we have another song. Uh, we've we got singers. Huh? Ever since I, I spoke about singing in Welsh and English, you know, there's been a disconnect. Let's just, uh, whilst they, they get ready, let's close our eyes. Father, we're just humbled before you. We realize that, that Father, that we've fallen short, but that, and that mustn't drive us away from you. It really should pull us towards you and say that we need you. We need you more than we've ever needed you for the for the wonderful potential that exists in the body of Christ. When we humble ourselves and come together and we just love. The world can have all sorts of fests, but we're the only ones that can have a true love fest because of Jesus. And so, Father, would you... Would you move among us now? Would you inspire us and heal us? May your grace be upon us. The grace that saved us will be the grace that forgives us and elevates us. And we all stand on, on, on Calvary ground. Nothing else. Just Calvary ground. I was struck by Becca with kicking off her shoes and In a sense, that's what we should all do spiritually. Because the ground on which we stand is holy ground. Prepared ground. So may this be special, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.